want to give a special thanks to the Rashivas that are here today. Came special for this morning session, even though it's one of the shortest Shabbosim of the year. They would have loved to stay for Shabbos. They promise next time they're coming and they're staying for whole Shabbos. But this time, they came special. Another shout out to Rabbi Kalish, which always brings his boys along. For me, the real tzaddikim are him and his boys. So thank you, Rabbi Kalish, for giving us the honor to host them again. We would like to finish on time because we have an unbelievable session with Rabbi Shemirasl afterwards on forgiveness, processing what we learned yesterday live. So if you could please hold the questions to the end so they could all share first what they came here to share. My thought process, which I don't even know if they know what my, my thought process was when I made this session here. I'm sorry. I believe that they put in as a yeshivas, the most they can put in to our boys, our girls, teenagers, whatever you want to call them, they don't have girls, but I'm just saying that the concept of it, and the moistest satire, especially dealing with challenging children, put in tremendous, tremendous amount of work. And there's a vot in Yiddish that can say, ki ba'apam hargi ish, with a, with a, a, a snide remark, or, or a, a, body language that the child sees that you're not happy with them or you don't accept them you can really kill your child so they can put in all the work and you don't get the the, the keys of what's important to your child when they come home so really I wanted to call it how to have the most amazing my people changed the title it's probably for good reason but the purpose of this meeting today is to really understand from their perspective What's important to your teenagers when they come home and you should both all be on the same page? What makes them tick? What takes them to the next level? How can you be an influence to them? And let's, without further ado, let's start the program so we can finish on time. Thank you. It's a real pleasure to be here. Honestly, don't feel qualified to be sitting on such a table with such experienced mechanchim, but they asked me to be here, so I'm here. I just want to share with you just one idea that a boy, a bocha, who was struggling for many, many years with his family, with his Yiddish guy, with his own self, years ago told me, and he shared with me the following idea, which I think is very helpful for ourselves. He shared with me the idea like this. It's his own idea that he came up with, and I'm guessing that goes into the depths of what he feels and how he understands himself and how it can be helpful for others. He said that imagine a boy wakes up in the morning and he comes downstairs and his mother is there with a warm, beautiful smile and she says, good morning, my darling Yankala. How did you sleep? And he says, good. And she sits there making him a breakfast and she serves it to him. And he said that each action that his parents do, what he called was a poker chip. And gives him a little bit of a chip, a poker chip for smiling, a poker chip for breakfast. Before he went out to school in the morning, she gave him a hug and a kiss, another poker chip. And then she waved as he was walking down the street, another poker chip. And then he said to me, imagine another child who wakes up in the morning Parents are maybe there, maybe not there, running into the kitchen as they're going off to work, as is, they're doing whatever they're doing in their busy lives. 
And they say, hey, have a great day, one poker chip, and they leave. And he said, this child goes into school, this child goes into work, this child goes into life, whatever it may be. How much are they willing to risk when the teacher gets up and says something, when something happens that's maybe a, perhaps a little bit of a challenge to them? How much are they willing to risk? And he said to me that the idea that he understood was, and again, this is, this is coming from a teenager boy who himself struggled terribly in his home with his family situation. It was a very interesting situation. He struggled in school, he struggled with Yiddishkeit, he struggled with his siblings, with himself, and he said that any child that's given more and more poker chips has the ability to, to, to risk a lot more and to put down a lot more. And he said that what his parents give him, that's after all the greatest gift of all, as we all know. And he understood that on himself. So going through the topic of today, which we just found out, which was... Uh, <laughs> So this way, you know, there are no those speakers that get up and say, well, I didn't prepare, and I didn't have any time to prepare, and they just asked me, so it's true. We just found out, mamish, like, as we were here, like, what the topic was. So this is the topic, is to be able to give our children the, the chizik, the uh, greatest pain of money, whatever you want to call it, to give them the ability to be able to, quote-unquote, use those poker chips that us as parents give our children. It's the greatest gift that we can do. And sometimes we underestimate the value and the greatness of even the small things that we do to our dear, dear children. And we should take a use that. And we should use that opportunity to do that. Give over to everybody else. Truly a place to be in, like we said last night. This room is a, truly, a, truly a Malkam Kaddish, ungefilled with so many Tfilas Yisrael. You feel the Kedusha and the Achdus in the ear, and sitting with uh, esteemed Rashi Yeshivas, and that just came to mind, just to put it to this week's parasha, that um, at the end of the parasha we know Yaakov Avinu goes down to Mitzrayim, that's Yehuda Shalach Lefonov. He sends Yehuda, the first one, from all the Shvatim and all the children in Einikach, the first one to go down to Mitzrayim was Ves Yehuda Shalachafonov. And Rashi says, why did he send Yehuda early, quickly? The second way based Talmud, literally to, to, to put up a yeshiva, to make a yeshiva, that when Yaakov comes down with his children and grandchildren, there'll be a yeshiva standing. That means to say that Yehuda was literally the first Rish Yeshiva in Kla Yisrael. You know, Avram Avinu, Yitzchak Avinu had yeshiva. The first Rish Yeshiva, the first person to make a Rish Yeshiva was Yehuda. And I believe that Tver Shlomo asked, that seems interesting, if Yaakov Avinu wanted to send one of the Shvatim to be a first Rosh Hashiva, he should have probably sent Yisachar, who sat and learned all day, or Levi, who was, did the Avoida. Why Yehuda? Why was Yehuda chosen to be that task? And sitting here amongst Rabbi Kalish and Rabbi Wiesenfeld, it's so Emes Tavart, he says, Yehuda is the first person in the Torah that we see that took responsibility for a child. Anoichi Erevenu. Last week's parasha, when, no one, when Yaakov Avinu didn't want to send Binyamin down, and Yehuda said, I will take responsibility, a personal responsibility for him. And that the Tferish Lema says, when Yaakov Avinu was wondering who which one of his children should open the first yeshiva, it's the one that could take full, full responsibility for a child, a boy, a girl, a bacher, a teenage girl. That's the one that has to be the one making that, that, that commitment to be mechanach the children. Like we said, we had the topic how to spend quality time with our children during Ben Azmanim. Being in the yeshiva, we get to see the, the Bachram most of the day during the week, and then comes a Ben Azmanim. And in truth, Ben Azmanim is a struggle for all parents, all children, regardless of the level of learning, the level of, of where the Holy Geshmir says mitzvahs. Ben Azmanim has always been a, a struggle. Bachem sleep late, they run out to the cars at night, and it's always, it's always been a struggle. Um, quite recently in America, I don't know if Rabbi Wiesenfeld, no, we just experienced it Ben Azmana, by Shabbos Hanukkah, it's considered a little bit of a midwinter Ben Azmana. There was a parent that called, uh, I'm sorry, a Bachar called up his Rebbe on Monday morning, which is um, Zeis Hanukkah. There was no yeshiva, the one day that the yeshiva gave off. And the Bachar called up his Rebbe very, very distraught, very upset on Monday morning. 
And I wonder if the Bali Allah here could, could handle it. He says, Rebbe, I can't believe it. Last night was vacation. I was out with my friends, probably out all night, pulled an all-nighter, the way we call it. And I forgot that it's in Chanukah Chanukah was very important to him. What do I do? He can't believe that he forgot to tzim Chanukah And he asked his Rebbe what, what he should do. So the Rebbe asked him, like I said, the Baal Halacha, did you daven Shachris yet? So by us, I put on Tfilin. So he said, did you say Halal? He says, no, I didn't say Halal. So he says, okay, the Halacha is that in Shul, we light the Menorah in the morning. He said, go to your Menorah, light the Menorah without a brach, he said, and say Halal by the Menorah, and this way, you feel, you feel, you, you said you got your, you got your Chanukah, you got, you got your, your, your Zeis Chanukah, your eight nerves. And I'm trying to be on a point. The point is a that there's two points here. Many, many times you won't realize, and we tend to see, especially when dealing with Bachram, and the same holds true, like Rabbi said previously with girls. You know, we want to see, we don't see the connection. All we see is they're sleeping all day, they're waking up 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Did they put on the phone? Did they not put on the phone? Are they going out? What are they doing? We don't see it. But there's a certain connection that they have, and we must appreciate and embrace that connection in any way possible. Relationships, as the Rabbi had just said, show them the love, show them that you're there for them. You're not to be the mashkiach over the few days or weeks that they're home. That's not what they want. They just want connection. And you won't realize and you won't how much they appreciate it and how much on their own. They might not give you the immediate satisfaction. They might not give you that immediate nach um, is the way you want to call it. But it's there. It gets cemented. Every kula, every part of a benazmanim, as much as a relationship that base that you can have, as much as normal, just normal relationship, the love should go back and forth. That's the greatest, greatest matana you could give to your child. First of all, a tremendous yashakayach to Rev. Wiesenfeld, yashakayach to Rev. Kassirer, I appreciate both of them are very well behaved. Rev. Gedalia set up what we're supposed to do this morning and both followed. I'm, I like making trouble. <laughs> and and I, I have two things on my mind that I want to share with everybody. We heard very, very precious advice for Ben Azmanim. But I want to I first share with you in a sincere way why I'm frustrated. I drove... I'm pretty close an hour away to tell you why I'm frustrated that I can't be here Shabbos. Really to describe, I was zeichet to be on a Kesher Nafshi Shabbos, to describe in an honest way, it's, it's, I don't like contrived things, and to stand up here and say, oh, the Shabbos, I want it in an honest way, this is not a pretend place, and to just say why I'm frustrated. I have Yeshiva this week, I'm zeichet, and it's going to be a tremendous Shabbos in Yeshiva, but I want to be here, I want to describe in an honest way what I'm moved by Kesher Nafshi, and I came for, I don't like missing Yeshiva, and we're all missing Yeshiva now, I want to say what I like about Kesher Nafshi, what I appreciate, what our opportunity is this Shabbos, but in an authentic way, to just give platitudes, not, nobody came for fake, nobody, this is not, it's the opposite of a fake place, and nobody came to hear just things like that, I want to say what I'm, why I'm upset I'm not here, Describe a little Shabbos. I think there'll be Tayelis in that. And then share one more thought. A friend of mine, a friend of mine took over a yeshiva. He became, he became the head of a yeshiva. And he was discussing his first move in running his new yeshiva. And he, he said something profound that I believe very, very strongly. There's no such thing where a warm yeshiva like, this is our product, this is what we're going to give. There's no such thing as that. His first move is that the Rebbeim have to like each other. That in the Rebbe, but real, there's no like, be warm to the guys. That's a bunch of baloney. That's fake. That's not real stuff. Be warm to the guys. There's no such thing. That's fake. The question is, are we hidden? And do the Rebbeim care about each other? And his first move in the yeshiva is the Rebbeim have to fabring better. They have to just be warmer, friendlier, closer people, and then we can extend it. There's no industry, there's no Kirov industry, warm industry. Those are pretend things. There are many times, there are many times you look Shabbos and you look at your yeshiva and you just want to hand somebody Shabbos, the gift of Shabbos. You want to hand them Shabbos. 
and you badly want to give Shabbos, and you ask yourself in an honest way, as many of us in this room, it's, not, it's a question that, that rips our, our hearts out. How do I hand Shabbos to somebody? Shabbos, precious Shabbos that I want this person to have. Had every, all of us sitting here, everybody in this room, that question is not light. How do I hand Shabbos? All of us have faced this question. I want to tell you, I want to tell you a true story. For four months, there was a bacher. For four months, a very sophisticated guy, impressive, sophisticated kid. Anybody would meet him intellectually advanced, and he had Amuna questions. Very rare that it really, he was a thinking person. I can't say the whole shayrish of the problems is philosophically. That doesn't typically exist, certainly not in our day. But for somebody who had a, had a very cerebral leaning, and it was philosophical questions. And for four months, he had serious Amuna questions. And we're going back and forth. I don't have answers for him. I like questions. I think it's fantastic to have deep questions. And together we're living in question. But we're, but we're living in question. It came Yom Kippur that one day, yeah, I'm, I'm there every Shabbos, Baruch Hashem in Yeshiva. Yom Kippur, I'm in my shul. I can't be in Yeshiva. Rosh Hashanah, we're together with the Chavar Yom Kippur. I can't be there. And he's going to be Yom Kippur in Yeshiva. I'm in my shul. And... And we decided, he decided, Yom Kippur, he's a sincere person. He's not going to eat. Hashem commanded. He has a moon of questions, deep, deep questions. He's not going to eat. He's not going to do malacha. Upstanding guy. He's not going to eat. He had very little plans more than that. And he comes to shul 2, 3 o'clock. To shul, he'd been there at night. By day, he comes 2, 3 o'clock. He's a sincere guy. He'll pray. He'll pray a little bit. It doesn't mean he'll pray a little bit. He'll say some prayers. He starts davening Shman Esrei. And it's, you know, he's saying the words, fine. He gets up to Hashamnu all the way late in Shman Esrei, And he's about to, to, to say Hashamnu and he can't do it. He's stuck. He can't say Hashamnu. Can't do it. Asking like, what? Bang like. Do, do what you did the rest of Shemana. So keep going. Can't. He starts thinking, what's your problem? He's thinking to himself, why, why? Just keep going. He bursts out crying and he says to Hashem, he says, God, I get your world. I understand. You hide because it's a challenging place for every human being on earth. Me, you, and the rest of the eight billion, seven billion. And I get it, you hide. I completely get it. Because if you were open, there wouldn't be a challenge. So you hide, I get you. But it's not fair. You hide from me. It's, it's uneven. And he starts describing in his life that you hide from me more. I don't think it's fair. And you hide in ways that I can't get you. And you want me to apologize to you? You want me to say, Hashamnus, I've sinned, I'm guilty? You hide in an unfair way for one hour. He starts screaming and yelling and getting upset at Hashem for one hour. You hide in ways and describing how you hide from me from young ages that I can't even reach you. This is unfair. And you want me to apologize to you for an hour. He says his tainas on Hashem. After an hour of unloading his tainas on Hashem, he says to Hashem, but I do have to admit something. He says, I'm an honest person. I've also pushed you away. And he says, I want to ask, I want to apologize for my part. Hashemnu, and he starts banging. He came to Mayriv in Yeshiva. Hours later, he went up to a Rebbe. And he said, I'm not ready for Mayriv. I'm, I'm middle with Hashem. Do I have to dive in Mayriv now? I'm not ready for Mayriv. I'm, I'm handling with Hashem. What happened? Was the chazan, he didn't hear any nice key from the chazan. He didn't, there was no program set up for him. Nothing, zero, no, there was no program. What happened? What happened was, is this fellow came in touch with Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is a reality, Lufnei Hashem. You don't have to do things with Yom Kippur. 
You don't have to set up for the guys. You don't have to do that. Yom Kippur is real. It's Lufnei Hashem. We are real and Yom Kippur is real. And he acts and Yom Kippur, Lufnei Hashem. And it's a day he found Hashem. I was sitting Hanukkah with my family at the Neiros. And you think to yourself, maybe I should play a game. And, and anything we do at the Neiros is wonderful. And maybe we should play a game that would be wonderful. But I was thinking to myself, and I'm not saying not to add it, to do things beautiful, each mishpacha, beautiful. But the thing itself, the mitzvah, the rabban, the mitzvah that Hashem was mitzavah, to listen to the chachamu, or mitzavah, to light Neiros Hanukkah. And the mitzvah itself, I don't, I don't have to add to it. The mitzvah itself has value and has preciousness. And with Shabbos, when we ask ourselves, how do I access Shabbos to this person? Shabbos has a power. If we ourselves can plug into Shabbos with sincerity, with sincerity, a sincere person and plug into reality called Shabbos, we can create an environment and allow somebody to join us into Shabbos Kodesh, a reality of Shabbos. Shabbos is powerful by itself. There's a vert from the Panovich Rav, an incredible vert from the Panovich Rav. There's, there there's a Yid, a few parshas ago in the Medrash, it says there was a, there was a Yid, his name was Rav Yosef Meshisa. Rav Yosef Meshisa was a rebellious Jew, who the Romans wanted, the, the, our enemies always, they don't just want to defile, they don't just want to make the Beis HaMikdash Chayel, they want us to do it. So he asked, is there a Yid who would walk into the Beis HaMikdash and take any keli you grab, I'll give you. That's what the Romans said. Go in, some Yid, go into the Beis HaMikdash and run out with the keli. And this rebellious Yid, Yosef Meshis, is willing to go into the Beis HaMikdash. You hear what a rebellious Yid he is? Goes into the Makam Beis HaMikdash, takes the Menorah and runs out with the Menorah. Steals the Menorah. When he gets out of the Beis HaMikdash, the Romans see him with the Menorah. They say, hand that to us. He says, hand it. You promised that whatever I take. They say, no, no Yid is taking that. Hand us the Menorah. And they rip the menorah away from him. They then say, go back in and take a different keli. He says, no. He says, Vaili, woe unto me, shechasti libayri. I angered my creator once. I'm not angering God again. They said, what do you mean? Go in, go in. They wanted him. Now he's actually making a kiddush shamayim. They didn't like it. They beg him to go in. No. We'll give you one year taxes of Yerushalayim. Millions of dollars. Go in. We'll pay you. Not going in. Two years, tens of millions, three years, billions of dollars of taxes. Go in. I'm not going in. And he's nifter al-Kiddush Hashem. This rebellious Yidin becomes God-fearing and he's nifter al-Kiddush Hashem. Ask the Panovich Rav, what changed? A minute ago he's stealing the Menorah and then all of a sudden he becomes a, this holy Yid. And the Panovich Rav said the answer is, is he walked into the Beis HaMikdash. The Beis HaMikdash is a reality of Lufnei Hashem. He walked into the Beis HaMikdash. Shabbos is a reality. Shul is a reality. We have precious Yiddishkeit that's a reality. What I love about the Kesher Nafshin, what I saw about the Shabbos when I was here, and why I'm frustrated not to be here this Shabbos, I saw beautiful people who are sincere and honest, the warmth one to another. People giving each other chizuk. I like hugging. This is a hugging type of place, so right away I like it. There's a warmth, a sincerity, a realness, an honesty of sharing, of being open. The world's way too precious to hide, to be pretend. Way, way too precious. And the, a place of sincerity, of realness. Everything we want Yiddishkeit to be is here. And we're all human beings. All of us, every person in the world, we're human beings. A friend of mine, I met a friend of mine at a simcha the other night in Lakewood. He told me, you know, all of us know that Hashem wanted to make the world with din. And he saw it wouldn't work, so he was mishtatev chesed. So most people think it wouldn't work din because everybody would die. That's not true. 
If we spoke Lashon Hara and our tongues fell out, so we would stop speaking Lashon Hara. So what I mean, it wouldn't work. It would work. It wouldn't work, it means we'd all be robots, and God doesn't want robots. It wouldn't work if there was only Midas Hadin, because you'd have no chiyos of making mistakes. You'd have no chiyos of struggle, of difficulties. The chiyos of difficulties, of problems, and we're not, it's hard, nobody's making it smaller, it's difficult. But human problems, somebody, I, I sat on a panel on Hanukkah in, in, in the shuls in Waterbury, and somebody asked the question, Somebody said, if you struggle on something, how can you be mechanic your kid on that matter? I thought it was such a funny question. I have a different question. If you don't struggle, how can you be mechanic your kids? If you don't struggle, so you're a robot. If you're a guy, I can't believe you can miss chakras. I can't, okay, so then you, you can't be mechanic. You have nothing to say. Nice to meet you. Who could believe? I can believe we can miss chakras. I don't hear, the, how could you be mechanic if you struggle? You can only be mechanic if you struggle, only. We only have what to say to our kids because we made mistakes. That's why we have what to, because you made mistakes, I made mistakes, and every single person on earth made mistakes. And the only place that we can be mechanic our children is because we're human beings. We're human beings. And the sincerity of the people here, the warmth one to another, we're not just talking about ideas. We have amazing, Rev Shimon Russell is teaching game-changing ideas. Rev Gedalia is a beautiful, yeah, amazing people, but what's precious, I'm very close to the Muller family, the Berger Mishpacha, these are close friends, the Wilhelms, many people here, many, many others. Friedler's friends. What we all share in common is that we're trying to grow in a sincere way. We're trying to figure out, I saw this when I was here for Shabbos, here is sincerity. Here is an embodiment of what Yiddishkeit is supposed to be, and we're all trying to plug in by being, giving chizuk one to another, by crying, speaking, feeling, experiencing. There's a tremendous tikkun going on in the world. Yiddishkeit's going to deep places. We all grew up, many of us grew up in a generation, all we know, I did not know emotions, and I'm just learning for the first time in my life, I did not know emotions. I have a wonderful home. We all grew up that the attitude, do it, let's go, you could do it, you got it. There's a generation, I, I don't know, maybe it works in your home, I don't, you got it. There's a generation that's feeling and experiencing and crying. It's a take on, a tremendous take on. Yiddishkeit's going to all different places because of you and me, and I love this place. This place is a beautiful place. Somebody would expect the Shabbos of, of challenges. It must be such a sadness. I found the depth. I came off the Shabbos. There's depth here. There's holiness here. There's sincerity here. But I ask, open up, cry to the next one, speak and feel. We're bringing Hashem. We're bringing values to deep places. And the way, the, the, the way we can give Shabbos is let's touch Shabbos. With, let's touch Shabbos. A guy called me before Hanukkah. I'm not lighting the menorah this year. Guy, I don't know the guy that well. Never learned in Yeshia. I'm not lighting the menorah. I said, Shalom, Aleichem Shalom. I'm not lighting the menorah. Why aren't you lighting the menorah? He said, I'm not lighting the menorah. He said, I'm not lighting the menorah. I'm a single older bacher. I'm in so much pain. I'm in so much pain. To light the menorah here, I don't have my own house. I don't have my own house. I, what we, I, I wasn't, I didn't, it made me think. To him, I empathize with him. I understood the tsar. But it made me think, and I was thinking that people think you light the menorah, you forget your own stuff and light the menorah. He should light the menorah with his sar from the place of his sar. He'll light the deepest menorah in the world. He should come from that place, not forget that place. And I say to this, to this chevra, it's an incredible chevra here, incredible people. I say you're lucky that you're here, Shabbos. I am jealous. Me and Mo Muller are jealous of you. But I say that everybody talk, encourage each other, be what Yiddishkeit is. Plug in Shabbos. 
people being together, communicating together, fabranging together with, with sincerity, with authenticity, not hiding, not pretending. We're modeling, if we want, the answer is if I want to give somebody Shabbos, I should plug into Shabbos myself. That's the only answer. Shabbos is real, I don't have to package it. I don't have to make cute games, it's, you don't have to do that. It's not what happens. Shabbos. So I say to everybody, Ashrechem, that you're here. I want to say that the, the, the Rosh Hashiv is here, that are here, that what they're doing, and this is a revolution of honesty and sincerity that's needed. It's not for a certain type of child. This is the revolution of today. A certain sincerity, a certain willingness to go deep places in ourselves. Kasher Nafshi, you have it here. You have, the Mishpachis have it here. All of us, it's a beautiful world. You're bringing shining beauty to the world. A beauty of honesty. I'll close. I went way too long. I'm surprised if Gedalia is not here already. But I want to end with I want to end with one vert. I want to end with a vert. I way overspoke my time. Was this supposed to be question and answer? How does this? I wasn't. I want to share. I want to. Sh- was that supposed to be question and answer? So we have a moderator. What? Yes. <laughs> ask, ask a question to Rebbe Kassir. Can you stay for Shabbos? Does anybody have any questions? I'm here for a save-up. I want to answer a question. Hello, Mrs. Yarmish. How are you? <laughs> so, I, you never refuse. Mrs. Yarmish is an Isha Chashuva and a Misarvin Lagadal. You definitely don't refuse a big person. The Yarmish is in a minute. They live in Philadelphia for their children. In a minute, they'll drive five hours. I've seen it. In a minute, for their kids. In a minute. Five hours there, five hours there, four hours in a minute. I want to say what, close with a vert, that in Beratius, the whole, the whole Sefer Beratius, and we're getting to the end of Sefer Beratius, is the journey of our people, a difficult journey. The Avais and the Banim, difficult journeys. I just came back, me, me, I was with some of the Chavri, Shlomo Guri, some of the Chavri here. I went before, after the Rebbeim speak, Shlomo Guri should sing a solo for the Olam. And we drove, we got back 4.30 in the morning from Baltimore. So traveling's on my mind. And we had a chasna, a guy's chasna, amazing Ben Torah's chasna. And, and I want to tell you something about journeys that will, I think, resonate by all of us for the journeys of our life. Sari imenu, Avram Avinu says, now I know ki'isha yifas mareot. That Sari is yifas mara. Says Rashi in his second shot, how does he know Sari imenu is yifas mara? Because normally people are misbazem itarech aderech. Normally the road causes people, arts girl translates to look unsightly. And Sarai menus aymedes biyafya. Sarai medes stays in her yafi. Arts girl, I love arts girl. I don't agree with this translation. They're not, they're a peerish, not a translation. They say that, very important. There's no translation to Torah. It's a peerish, it's a peerish. The words of Torah remain. The word mispaze, what does it mean? A person, sorry, normal people are mispaze from trips and Sarah stays biyafya. What does that mean? We have an irony in yeshiva. We're in a basketball league. This is like the most poetry. I love poetry. And it's the, every single team in the league plays seven home, Mrs. Yarmish would like this. Every team plays seven home games and seven road games except one team. Home games are easier to win. You have your crowd going mishoga. It's easier to win. You play seven road games, seven. One team plays 14 road games, the Waterbury Wolfpack. Hashem's iron. The league has a rule that they don't play in Connecticut. There's one team on you in Connecticut. So every game is a road game. We travel up to four hours, three hours to every game, there and back. And we play all 14 road games. The guys always complain, oh, the trip, and they say, we get out of the car, we can't play, we need an hour, an hour and a half. Avrami's one of the star players on the team. So, <laughs> Avrami, 14, 14 road games, true story? 
He just went off. He just beat a school in five towns, almost single-handedly, but okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so the Kitzer is that, um, that we play the role, and the guys don't like getting there right before the game. They need an hour and a half. They say it's like coming out of the washing machine, coming out of the car. We need to like land. So they like to come an hour, an hour and a half. My son is on varsity. They want to come way before the game. I think to myself, it's, my car is a beautiful car, Remy. My car goes to every game. Geschmack. They have good music, great company, good songs, perfect weather. What are the guys fetching? Get to drive and play the game. What's the big deal? Why do we struggle with trips? All of us know, if you're not from Lakewood, a wedding in Lakewood, you're like, oh. <laughs> There's a very innocent crowd. Do you know the SH curse word? The heavy here knows the SH curse word? You probably don't know it, but don't use it. Schlep. That SH curse word. People describe going to distance weddings, faraway weddings. Why do people struggle with driving? What's the big deal? We went to Baltimore. It was awesome. We have a Yid here, a beautiful Yid. I love him. He's like a brother. He's, he's a, and he's a Balagoli. He drives a bus. He's here. He's a bus driver. Beautiful Parnas. And he takes the Bachram, a person of tremendous love. Us Hasidim love stories of the wagon driver. And I want to explain to you why the wagon driver is important. I want to explain it. And I want to talk about trips, why Sari Menu doesn't get tired from trips. The reason people mind traveling is because it's human indignity to travel. Really, Mrs. Potter got it right. We should all operate. If you want to be somewhere, you should be there. That's how it works in Harry Potter. You want to be somewhere, you're there. Malachim don't travel. If I want to be at the wedding, so I'm at the wedding. It's so ridiculous. You have to, I wanted to be in Baltimore. You should be in Baltimore. The yet, Rev. Kassir has to get back for Shabbos, and some guys talk way too long. Is going to risk. We might be here for Shabbos. He should want to be in Lakewood, and he should end up in Lakewood. But he, he wants to get home, his mishpacha, his, his, his talmidim. He should be home because he wants to get home. Trust me, the Garden State Park, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> There's human indignity to travel. It's so frustrating to travel. I want to be somewhere. I don't want to go there. And that's why misbaza means that indignity, bizayin. A trip's a bazillion. It's frustrating. It's so annoying, the journey. My kid's struggling. I'm struggling. Having di- It's so annoying. I want to be at a successful place. It's so annoying, the, the journey to get there. And Sari Menu walks out of the car and can play the game right out of the car. No problem. She'll beat all the teams. No problem. The guys come out of the car, they're like lopsided inside out. My son always, we, try, we watch the games, we can never, he never, his uniform gets lost on the way. He was green one game, he was J.D. Horowitz, a different game. The announcer like, uh, Horowitz, that's my wife's screaming at the monitor, that's Kalish, not Horowitz. But he, he, the trip, the trip, you know, a lot of things, I don't know what goes, what, how did the guy switch uniforms in, in the van, Avrami? <laughs> I can't figure it out, but a lot happens in a car. We're frustrated. Mo, am I exaggerating? He wears a different uniform every game? <laughs> the bottom line is people are misbazah because they don't have emuna that every step is with Hashem. Sari Menu lives with emuna that all the struggles and the journey is precious. She comes out of the car, she's ready to go. She's a medes biyafya. And I say to everybody here, let's be oimid in our yoifi. With emona, that each part of the journey in our own stories in our lives, there struggles if you're human. And difficult, difficult, real, painful, torturous struggles, but we can stay be because the journey's beautiful. That's why Chesidish literature is full of bala gola. We care about the journey. I love trips. The trip's the best part. So I say to everybody here, all of us should be zeichet, be oimid, be yoifi. And with great emuna, let's be mechazik. Let's this Shabbos. Let's live Yiddishkeit in a beautiful way. And from here will come out a light of authentic people practicing Abbas Yisrael, all types, kinds, the Yiddishkeit that all of us admire. Let's plug into it and share it with the world. Just one before I, I just want to add that Rekhelish brought up a very very important point that um, I feel is extremely important to reiterate how we'd have to realize 
dealing with teenagers. Our, I mean, I know by me personally, the Bacham Yeshiva and teenagers speaking to, they're the greatest Bali Amuna and Bali Betachin that are out there. Many times, I'm not, with all due respect to many beautiful organizations out there, but they, we get, people reach out to us, you know, let me come speak at the Yeshiva. We could prove uh, the existence of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. If only your boys would know the real reason behind mitzvahs. And then, Emunah and Betachem is something which burns in them in, a, in an extremely, extremely amazing way. They're connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I'm sure you yourselves as parents could witness it. If they find out that Chas HaShal Morim, their friends are not well, or gets into trouble. I mean, I, I, I want to repeat a story that... Uh, parent here, which you can only say here, and I hope the parent gives me wishes to say over this story. Um, a parent uh, here said the story that um, their daughter went out on Shabbos a few weeks ago and um, went out with a friend with the car keys in her hands. And a couple hours later, parents sitting there by a Shabbos table knew where, the, knew where their daughter is going. And a couple hours later, the phone is ringing. The phone of the house phone is ringing. And they notice it's the daughter's number. Once, twice, Shabbos, Kaidish. By three times, the parents got, got nervous. So, obviously with their hadracha, they called the daughter back and there was no answer. They were quite nervous. A few times the, the phone was ringing. A couple hours later, the daughter walks into the house and she tells her father, Tati, you wouldn't believe what happened. She said, Shabbos, Kaidish. I'm driving with my friend. And we're driving through the intersection. And the car breaks down right, right there in the middle of the intersection. So what's the first thing we do? They call Chaverim. <laughs> they called. I'm trying to call They called Chaverim. They called Yedidim. She called her father. The other girl called her father, and obviously no one's picking up the phone. So they looked at each other. They said, "So what should we do? Let's say to Hillam." They downloaded to Hillam on their phones. Shabbos Kaddish. They said to Hillam, and the car started. And they made it home. We don't realize there's a secret connection. There's a connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's not a wonder. Yes, there are Nisiyanis out there. There are Taivis out there. And many Torah, I'm sure, Rabbi Kedosh gets this. Rabbi Kedosh, so what's your trick? So we're, what's the... And I believe we just heard Rabbi Kedosh's secret. The Torah speaks for itself. Shabbos Kedosh speaks for itself. Barasi Yitzhahara, Barasi Torah Tavlin. Torah speaks for itself. You have Rabbeim like Rabbi Kehlish, Rabbi Wiesenfeld, who with their magical way can have a bacha understand the Havas Torah. A girl should understand, appreciate the beauty of Shabbos Kaddish, of Yom Kippur, with the different programs and incentives, the way that we get our teenagers and our, and our children to understand it. But we have to realize that they feel this connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and in every way possible, we have to reinforce and, they, and understand and appreciate how they have this special connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's not, it doesn't work anymore. Oh, okay, if you do this Avera, then, you know, Chas V'Shalom, who knows all the ancient. Just the opposite. Every mitzvah brings the schar. Every mitzvah brings its, its re, you reap its benefits. Every mitzvah that you have, you're spending private time. They spend lots and lots of private time with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I tell the Baruch Hu all the time, make sure you share your secrets to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, special secrets that you only you and Hashem can appreciate. Down the side, what's if I see my kid struggling? Yesterday, they were saying it comes from trauma, but if I see like first signs. What's the first thing, or like, uh, what would you recommend? Like, I have kids growing up, and I see potential there for them, you know, to, s- to start exploring taking the scenic route. What was, what would advice be like? First thing to do, like, sort of, like, usually, got uh, reaction would be to right away put down or something, you know, like. So we hear here a lot uh, opposite, but like maybe some insight. Sure. The question was, what happens if a person sees in his child that he's starting to explore different things, he wants to go down different avenues, 
What do we do? What should be our reaction in that case? Is that a good... Yeah? Yeah? Okay. It's a loaded question, obviously, right? There's a lot that comes together with that. I would say that the most important point would be to try to understand your child. That they should feel that they've got someone to turn to. They've got someone who understands them, who wants to understand their world. When a child doesn't feel that they've got anyone that loves them, that respects them, that understands them, then it's just not, not going to go anywhere. That, under, that understanding, that respect, is, is obviously something that we have to build up with our children the whole time, from the minute they're born. But especially at this stage, if they know that they have a parent who loves them, who cares for them, who respects them, who wants to understand them. In other words, if a child knows that if I'm going to go to my, to my mother, my father, my tati, my mommy, whatever it is, and I'm going to ask, I want to get a smartphone, or, or I want to go to a certain place that I shouldn't be going to, and they're going to say, what, how can you do such a thing, that's crazy. They know the reaction already, they're not going to go and ask the question, right? Because they know what the reaction is going to be. But if they know, and again, this is something that we have to work on ourselves, of course, and it's got to be a real thing, that we want to understand them. Um, I think, they say in my side, I think it was Roshlomer Freifeld, Zatzal, Master Machanach, that one time they found, if, I hope I'm not saying the, the, correct me if I'm wrong with the story, I think it was, I think it's, a, I don't know exactly where I said the story, that they found a book uh, under his desk, on his desk, about, about, I don't know exactly the story, about something specific, Indian about culture. Indian culture. Indian culture. Indian culture, whatever it is. And he said, Rebbe, what are you, what, what are you doing? Like, well, and he said, I want to understand it. This is what the Bacham was struggling with, or we had a specific Bacham that was struggling with it. I want to understand it. I must want to understand it. And it's the same thing I've got by me in, in Yeshiva, Baruch Hashem, beautiful, beautiful Neshamas. I love them dearly, every single one of them. I really, really love them. And sometimes a Rebbe will come to me and say... I don't know, he's got his phone, and I know this game, and what he's got on the phone, all sorts of things going on over there. I said, did you ask him about it? Do you, do you understand about it? You have to understand a little bit about where he's coming from, because otherwise they're not going to ask, and they don't feel understood. I think, in my personal opinion, and again, we'll hear from, uh, from the others, I, just, I, I really feel that if a parent understands and the child feels understood and feels they will be heard out, that is the greatest gift that you can do. And if a child knows that they're trying to explore different things, what should the reaction be? Let's talk about it. Let's understand where is it coming from, where, where, is it, where, where is this all based from. I think if a child feels understood and they feel respect, then that will be, uh, that at least is one of the uh, steps in the right direction. Um, I just want to, first of all, the questioner used a very, very beautiful term, taking the scenic route. And as a Michaelish, it's, it's a journey, it's a route. And many times you want to get something, I want to get back quickly to Lakewood for Shabbos, Be'ez Hashem, I'm going to take the quickest route. But sometimes you want to take... You know, as recently, uh, a few months ago, I was in California for the first time. My sister made a chas in California. So then I made sure to take the scenic route, the Pacific route, because I was there for two days with my family. You want to take the scenic route. Sometimes the, the journey takes a little bit longer, but we get to, t- to take in the scenery. Um, on a practical level, if you notice, a par- uh, first of all, a child is struggling, is showing, showing some signs. The first thing what the parents have to do, which probably they should have done way earlier, is to get hadrocha. You have to be a, pers- a family, and speaking to many, many parents here, they say it's ashreichem to the fam- families who have a rav, a derech. Yes, it's good to call. What happens is many times, and excuse my expression, parents feel very desperate at certain times. They start shopping. They'll call this one, they'll call this one. And as, as understanding it as, as it is, there's a family rav, a sashtay to understand, or a that you've dealt with, that someone knows the nuances and the ins and outs of your family, it's important to get a drachah and go with it. It doesn't always mean that it's going to be some things that you would agree with, and sometimes the rav or the mechanach or whoever's your maridach will say things which... And people make mistakes as well. Parents should never second-guess the decisions they made. We believe, we know how Kaddish Baruch Hu gave parents a certain, a certain seichel and bina, how to deal with the children, that the decisions that they make on the present moment and the present time, there's so many, so many different um, things that have to be taken in. There are other children. There's the, exactly the, the, there's the, the stability of the family. There's the shalom bias that has to be taken into account. So make sure you get the proper hadrach as well. And obviously the 
main part of your question is, which is discussed a lot, is yes, families can have standards and should be standards. Standards may be imposed certain, depending on the situation. Of course, it should never be something that the child perceives, oh, you're only doing it for your image, you're only doing it because you feel you're embarrassed, because that's something which the child, like Rabbi Kalish had said, these teenagers, boys, girls, they have a very, very good know. They smell authenticity. They, 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 they know who's authentic, and they realize the authentic love. If the parents are there for them, even if they impose a certain standard in the house, if need be, or sometimes they'll lower the standards if need be, whatever the decision has to be, but the main thing is to be very authentic to the show. We're here for your benefit. We're here for your success, whatever that means. I see it's very early in the Kesha Nafshi Shabbos. There's like way too much good behavior. <laughs> Rev Weisenfeld not only said something great, he said it in an English accent, for heaven's sake. <laughs> he said to lean into the story, our own story, and there's the Rev sat quietly. If you like something, the Elm should cheer. Later, Shabbos will warm up. Like, well, I, I'm a Met fan. A guy hits a home run, you go wild. Like, I, went, I went with a friend to City Field to Rev Matisio. He, he, he called the gathering in City Field. 50,000 people went for a gathering on technology. And I went with a friend, and I have a very yekish friend who's always on time to things. It's amazing, Shidduch, but anyway. The, <laughs> the kitzer is that we came, I remember we came on time. We were like the first two people in the stadium. I said, most of the Klaus like me. But anyway, the bottom line is, is we went to the stadium, and the division was there were chsidim, Yeshivish and the Harrys, we were like, I would say the 50,000, like 10,000 Harrys like me, 40,000 Hasidim and Yeshivish. And at every time a Gadol spoke, we're used to, if, if a guy hits a home run at the Met game, I, I would say Mike Piazza, like he's supposed in Rebbe school, don't show you know the current players, but I don't know, Lindor, <laughs> if Lindor hits a home run, Peter Lanz hits a home run, you go Meshuggah. So when a, when a Rav, like some Rebbe would say a good word, the 10,000 of us would go wild. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, which I promise. 40,000 people deeply. Shah. It was so beautiful. We each had what to offer. The Harrys taught excitement. They taught Kavad Atayr, and everybody was better for it. He said something, Meyerdick. Lean in. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> the lean in is to lean in. We have to lean into his story, own story. They're having a Meira Derek. The idea of having a Meira Derek. Both answers are appreciated. I just want to appreciate the two answers. <laughs> I want to rephrase his question. Yeah, I want to, <laughs> that's a great question. What he wants to know, yeah, that, thank you. That, excellent, excellent. You hit it out of the park. Yeah. But, but he wants to, I, what he wants to ask is that all of us know Yitzhak Mitzrayim was a miracle. It's a lot bigger miracle than Yitzhak Mitzrayim is to run a seder with all the different needs of our family, ours, our spouses, is a bigger ner- miracle than Yitzhak Mitzrayim itself. <laughs> That's a, that's a fantastic, fantastic. What a question. What a question. Yeah. Okay. I, I would, in a very small way, just answer. It's, it's, a, it's a great question. It's a question that many people struggle with, this question. Benazmanim. The, the old debate was, is a Benazmanim a raya? That they had a good zman, they didn't have a good zman. What were they doing during this man? I don't want to go so much into the Benazmanim idea because I don't know if it's negated to every single person on every single level with a child that's in yeshiva, out of yeshiva, whatever it is. But maybe we'll just talk in general, that idea. 
at that, how do we maximize our time? And I think that's, that was supposed to be the whole panel original. I think on the paper it said that. That's what it is, the maximizing our time with Hashem's wonderful children. And that is very much the quality over the quantity. And that is something which, which, which we all struggle with. You know, time management is a very, very important uh, thing to work on. In, in so many different levels and so many different ways. But when a child, and, and we've heard stories from Gedolim, real big Gedolim, who their children spoke about the fact that whenever our father was, gave us our time, we felt he gave us our time. Now, it, it may have been only one minute, and he was learning the rest of the time, but he gave us that one minute, and that was so precious. And I think that our children also understand when times are busy, when times are hectic, they understand. It could be they're demanding specifically at those times is when they demand the most attention because they know, and that's the underlying idea, is they know they're looking for that attention. They want to see what your result is. They want to see what your reaction is going to be. When you're so busy, are you actually going to have time for me? Or you're going to say, I haven't got time right now. So they're, they're calling out for attention. They're calling out for love. They're calling out for time. And that's why it's important to recognize that call out for, for time. But it really is the quality over the quantity. In other words, if a child realizes that when you give them that time, you know what, you want me to read your story, I'll read your story. For that time, I'm going to, my phone is going to be in my pocket, it's going to be away, it's going to be off, whatever it may be. And I'm going to give full attention to that child. The child needs it. Um, one of the boys in yeshiva, Baruch Hashem, it hasn't happened very often. One of the boys in Shiva, a lot of the boys like to give me Musa, which is fine. I, I'm, I'm a human being and I love hearing Musa and you want to help me to get better. This is what I'm here to do. And they're very open about it. You know, they'll, they'll tell me the way it is. You know, Rebbe, you did this wrong. Great, wonderful. I loved hearing about it. One boy, one, specifically one told me, he said it never happened, but one time he remembers I was sitting in the office with him and, and, and my, my, my eyes were looking elsewhere and he felt that I wasn't with him. And I said, you know what, you're 100% right. You're 100% right, I was wrong. It was right before a campaign. Yeshiva was completely crazy. Anyone with a moisture, and if you're making a campaign, it's, it's, it's mamasha, it's an oil, it's not poshet. But, but still, I, I agreed with him. I said, you're 100% right, and I'm sorry, and I try now to be much, much better. That, you know, when I'm there, the computer's turned elsewhere, and I'm focused in totally with that boy. I want to hear about his life. I want to hear about what his, what his pain is, what he's going through, what the situation is. And I think when our children ask us for time, and it's hectic and it's busy, I think we should dedicate time specifically, even if it's a small amount. And that time should be so focused into them that they feel that for that one minute, 30 seconds, five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever you can give them, I got Tati's mommy's full attention at that time. And that will give them the strength to continue. And I think that's a very important thing, especially at Ben Azmanim, to spend time. I, I, I do that with my own children. I try very hard to spend the Ben Azmanim, or we used to go, um, now it's a little bit more difficult now, but we used to go to the zoo on an Arab Shabbos with my own children. I spend a lot of time with the boys, and I want to make sure that I spend time with my own children as well. I think it's very, very important. And we go to the zoo, and we have fun, and Ben Azmanim, I try to go away, Dafka, my, my Rosh Shiva of Scheinberg, Zatzal, was, uh, he always used to tell us, you know, he used to take his family upstate New York, and they used to go away for, for, for the summer. And he spent time with his children. And it's so important, that quality time. And I'm not saying I'm good at it. Baruch Hashem, I have an incredible Rebetzin who pushes me all the time to do that, which is amazing. It's her schos, not mine. She's amazing and she helps me to do this because it's not easy time management. But I really believe that when we give them the quality time and they feel it and they know that we look forward to it. I, I want to spend time with my children. And they get that. Like Robert Cassidy said, they have antennas that pick up things so amazingly. They can pick up anything, right? Who was it? There was a story one time where these kids, they made a, like a mock Shabbos. And, you know, because sometimes you put the kids to bed early, so you want them to have a Shabbos, the younger kids. And, uh, and you, uh, you made like a mock Shabbos so that the son gets up. He was, what, five, six, seven years old, whatever it was. And he makes a Psalm, like a Kiddush. And he makes the Kiddush in the same Nusrach. His father makes the Kiddush as Kavaldik. And he sits down and he goes, oh, that was a hard week. They chap, they chap, they chap, they chap everything. And they chap when we want to spend time with them. Or, you know, we, we, I asked one of the boys um, who's, you know, there's, I have Baruch Hashem, like I said, I have beautiful, beautiful neshamas in yeshiva. And uh, some of them, their parents spend time at Nebkesh and I asked them, no, do, you, do you feel that it helps? 
You know, do, do you feel that your parents, oh, we come back, that the parents are different parents, the, the chizik that they get is amazing. And it's Emmett, he wasn't saying it a joke, he meant to be Emmett, it really is true, really is true. So I think, again, I, I want to leave it home for the, the Choshev experts over here, I just want to say that the quality is so important and they should feel it and you should want it, and when you want it, they'll feel it. To say quickly, when uh, Gedali let us know the title as we were walking up, I was going to make a little bit of variation, making the most of our time with our precious neshamas. I was going to take out the most. Making time for our precious neshamas. And with all due respect, I believe this question, it's, we were just saying it's such a good question, but the mothers sitting here probably are looking at the question. We do that every day, not just Ben Azman. I mean, uh, every single day. Lachanach the children, going to work, being there for every single child from top to bottom, married children, oil of Parnassah, and still making quality, quality time. And there's no better way to say it that Ravi said it. And sometimes we have to take this Musa as Rabbeim and as parents. Put away the phone, spend time, focus. It might be a few minutes. It might be, you know, like I said, Hashem, I, I was like, I'm, I, I'm coming off the week of Shabbat Shabbat. My daughter got married last week. And one, and, and one night after Shabbat, I, one night after Shabbat, and you can imagine, Baruch Hashem, there's this family, Simcha, but the children, I told my, my Bachim, it was Shabbat over a little bit early. Let's go to Yapchik for Chalm. So it was a Thursday night. Just let's spend time with the family. We're busy with everyone else. Sometimes we need just to... And we have to be a Chachem to do it. And every, you know, every, you know, every family has its own, you know, there's a dynamics, knows how to do it, what works, what doesn't work. And the Ebeshti gives us a Siyat HaShemaya. If we're there for it, we'll be able to... And include them in. Especially, like you're saying, regardless, the child, the boy, the girl, include them in possible. When it comes to Yomtev, the time can be in preparation for the Chag, for the Yom Tev, if it's done without Nerveis Kite. If the, if, if the Hachana for Yom Tev is done with Simcha, then you can, no one wants to be next to a nervous father or next to a nervous mother. There's so much to do. But if, it, but if, if the preparation for Yom Tev, if it's building the Sukkah or cooking for Pesach, there's so much to do. Or sometimes he's giving them the car keys and taking the kids out for eat. So you could, you could stay home to clean if they're driving. They, they could do that as well. Include them in the preparation for Yom Tev if it's done with Simcha. I love, yeah. I love the question. I want to share something that I think is important. I actually wish that I could share this with an English accent. I think they should... T- <laughs> this is like... But I, I want to say something to that question that I saw a lot at Kesher Nashi that I want us all to know. And this question was about Ben Azmanim, the whole mishpacha, the whole family. There's always a question, the, sibling, the siblings of somebody struggling, and there are two aspects... Often, if a siblings have a sibling who struggle, you learn that your things don't matter. Your normal worry is a difficult test. And there's, of course, the, of course, we have to make sure that every sibling's journey matters. But I want to say what we learn from a struggle of a child is to lean into their story, to lean into our own story, and to lean into all our kids' stories. It's not just a trick. Well, this kid's struggling. I'm leaning into a story. I, don't, I have to match it with my kid who's not struggling. Our kids have changed our lives, and we've learned to lean into our own story, as Rev. Russell teaches us, intergenerational trauma, our own stories, to lean into our own frustrations, to lean in. Do I get very nervous the of time? To lean into my own story to lean into all my kids' stories. This is not like an approach and a chap. We've actually discovered here, and it's going to affect the whole world, real parenting, lean into our own story and all our kids' stories. All of us, through somebody struggling, we, we were forced. The only answer was to lean in and understand, as the Rabbanim explained, and, and all of us have learned. So this is not like a chap. Hey, we have like a good Einfall in Chenoch. We've all learned we have to be aware. My own insecurities, my own worries that I'm attentive and aware and know about and are growing, which is what we see here. And each of our kids to lean in, however much time we can, to really lean into their story. 
I think this point of leaning into our kids' story, our own story, is such a theme of Kashanafshi. And this is something that all of us are learning, leaning into the story. I think when it comes to all our kids, I, it's Pashat, the one who's quote-unquote not struggling. Their math is lean into theirs. They need it just as much. And it's just as important in their worry of all our kids. So in one way or another, and the challenge of that is tremendously hard. We have children, but leaning into the story. So the question itself is what you're saying, I think, is important and brings this point out. Yes? Yeah. <laughs> I think everything we when I say lean into the story is the panemis. I, I mean honestly in our own self. We all know what it means to lean into our journey to get deep inside ourselves. All of us have. There's there's a world famous therapist. A very world famous therapist was coming back on a flight from a trip. He's one of the biggest experts in the world on trauma. He's coming back from a. He spoke a big drusha. He, had, he said he had the good boy glow on the plane. He spoke, well, he's like a, you know, he's proud of his big drusha. He got up, wow, really impressive. And he's on the plane, and he's just thinking. He, he spoke, it was well received. He's in, he's in first class. They flew him back. He's doing well, big drusha. He's 70 years old, one of the most famous therapists in the world. His plane lands in Philadelphia. And he gets a text from his wife, right, when you could turn on the phone, that I didn't leave yet, should I still come? And it sets him off. <laughs> She's not there waiting. And he sends back like a more text, no, no, like, like, like K, like, you know, like the teenage thing, K or something, just like, forget it. And all of a sudden, for a day, he's answering his wife in quick answers, the indignity that he had to take a 20-minute Uber home. And here's a guy speaking worldwide on trauma, who's one of the biggest experts in the world, and he had his own, oh, why is he behaving like that? <coughs> She's busy. She, and he has, when I say lean in, we have to learn ourselves real. We're all human. We're all with insecurities. We're all very, very human. When I say lean in, is a tremendous honesty to what's going on in our world within, and then a big honesty of really learning all our kids. When I say lean in, I mean emotional nuance. That's the revolution. It's a Are you shy to lean into your kid if you don't lean into yourself? No. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.